Hi everyone, you're listening to Latinas with Masters podcast. Like and subscribe and comment down below. Thank you for listening. Hey, what's up everyone? It's your girl, Christina Rodriguez, host and creator of the Latinas with Masters and the Latinas with Masters podcast. And what better way to celebrate International Women's Month than to interview not one, but two trailblazers who encompass the meaning of representation internationally. My first guest is Sandy Correa, a native of East Los Angeles, first gen of Salvadorian and Puerto Rican parents. UC Santa Cruz alumni with a bachelor's in sociology and history and a master's in healthcare management from Cal State LA. She spent the last 25 years working in healthcare administration and also is an entrepreneur for 13 years as a farmer's insurance agent. In love with history, genealogy, and global travel, she started her love for travel at the age of 15 when she was offered an opportunity for a summer study abroad in Mont de Marsan, France. Uh, my next guest is Anna, uh, Anna Maria uh, Gaona. A proud first-generation bilingual Latina, she's the eldest daughter of immigrant parents from Oaxaca, Mexico, and Córdoba, España. Anna retired a year ago from a 26-plus-year public sector career to explore new opportunities. Anna appreciates working with a variety of like-minded individuals and has connected with many women who have become a network of support and encouragement. Through personal and professional development, she learned the importance of staying committed to one's goal while remaining flexible in the approach. She is passionate about empowering next gen and is committed to continue advocating for underserved populations. Anna is an MPA, Cal State Northridge graduate. She received a Dr. David's Leadership Institute Resilient Leadership Negotiation Certificate and is an honors recipient of the USC Multicultural Women Executive Leadership Program. So as you can see, this is why I am so juiced to have both of these amazing Latinas on the Latinas with Masters podcast. So welcome, Sandy, and welcome, Anna. I really appreciate you both uh, taking the time and to, you know, be on the podcast and share your story with us. Thank you. I'm so excited Thank you, to Christina. be here. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I definitely would like... so. I love this because this is the first time that I have interviewed uh, two Latinas at the same time. So um, yeah, I'm excited how this is going to go. <laughs> um, so uh, Sandy, let's go ahead and start with you. Can you tell me about a little bit about you? We know we know a little bit about you, but like anything else you would like to share about you, your family and where you grew up? So I'm actually originally from East Los Angeles, uh, from Boyle Heights particularly. Um, my grandmother on my mom's side, uh, she was a pioneer who came to the United States in 1970 all by herself. And she was able to bring all her kids, four kids, one by one, a very, very common story amongst a lot of immigrants. Mm -hmm. But my mom came and they were uncles and then my aunt. So everyone's here. Um, and, you know, my mom, she is definitely, well, my grandma too, was a, a huge feminist. There have been always hardworking women who believe that, you know, education is very important. You know, nadie se va a morir de hambre aquí. You know, where one eats, 50 eats. So it's very, very hardworking uh, family. 
Um, but also always trying to push to make our dreams come true in the United States, but keeping true to our roots. So having said that, I'm 51 years old. In my whole lifetime, we have never had a, a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, an American traditional Thanksgiving dinner, ever. They refused to assimilate to that. So we have panes con chumpe every freaking year for the last 51 years. Like they're not playing, you know? So I'm, I'm just proud of that. Like, they're like, yeah, we're here, we're in America and we're Americans, but you know, we got to hang on to our roots, our cultural roots, which is very, very important because as we start moving into our kids and grandkids and great grandkids, you know, we're going to start losing that slowly, but surely. But I love that about my family. The women in my family are so strong. Um, I'm the only child and I went away to college all by myself not really knowing where I was going to do. I actually ended up in Santa Cruz, Christina, on a coin toss. <laughs> Life is just determined like that, right? Like, oh, yeah. so my girlfriends, yeah, my girlfriends wanted to go to UC Santa Cruz, San Diego. Some of them wanted to go to Santa Cruz. I was like, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go by myself. So we, we did the coin toss and I lost because I really wanted to go to San Diego. I want to be closer. I ended up in Santa Cruz and the rest is history, you know, and came back home worked at UCLA with a great boss who encouraged me to go back to school because he saw some great leadership uh, skills in me. And I went to grad school, got my master's degree. And that's the next 25 years is going from hospital to hospital to hospital, you know, providing leadership skills. I still have great relationships with a lot of the people that I work with. And now my second, what do we call it, Anna? Is this the third? This is the third. It's our third act. Uh, this is our third act. And, you know, I think I, I'm an entrepreneur just at heart. So I've been a business owner for the last 13 years with my agency. And now Anna and I are moving into this new scope, uh, which is travel, which is what we love. And also into non, a nonprofit and helping uh, future generational generation Latina women to travel. So that's where we are. That's me. That's Sandy Correa. So I love it. Before I go into Anna, I just want to make a quick comment. I definitely love Arroz con Candules. And I don't know if you guys call it pan con pavo, the Salvadorians. Pan con chumpe. Pan con chumpe. Listen, <laughs> I remember having like in, like potluck in my high school and one of my good friends was Salvadorian and he would bring that on point and I would be like, dude, if you give anybody else first dibs before me, like I'm going to like, <laughs> I will befriend you, dude. Like I'm never going to be your friend ever again. Like your mom has to give me like, a piece for telling you that I've ended relationships with boyfriends and they're kind of like I think they're more sad to see the pan con chumpe go before they see me go yeah listen I'm telling you don't be playing serious stuff <laughs> the other thing too that I love to share also and I mentioned it briefly on the podcast is you know my husband works in healthcare so I know you know I know all the hard work that goes into healthcare, you know, from the perspective of being a wife of just hearing, you know, all of the, you know, um, healthcare management that goes on, you know, I see it from like a patient point of view. And sometimes I'm like, why this and why that? And, you know, and it's just like, that's just what it is. And so I'm definitely, you know, um, yeah, just, just the healthcare system. It's a whole, you know, kind of beast in itself. And I say that because I definitely have a lot of Latinas that are probably listening right now that they're in healthcare and they want to see representation or they want to connect with other Latinas that are in healthcare management. Um, I believe there's also like a new group called Latinas in Healthcare um, or Latina nurses of something of that sort. I know because they reached out because they're like, hey, here's this gap of representation. And 
you know, we know there's a lot of Latinas in healthcare. And before I move on to Anna, I just really want to say this is like, before I wanted to drop out, when I wanted to drop out from Foothill College, one of the counselors who was Latina told me, you know, you should probably just get into healthcare because there's a lot of Latinas in healthcare. And when she told me that, I was like, you're not listening to me. Like, first of all, I can't see blood. Like, I will faint. Like, I'm the one that like, I'll get you like a shot of rum real quick. If you need to like get the energy, like, I'm like, I'll get the band-aids. I'll do everything else. But or like to be there and like <laughs> save your life. Honestly, I would faint first. Honestly, I don't know what it is. That's just my own like trigger and PTSD on it. Right. So anyways, so, but when she said that to be stereotyped and be, and, and be told like, oh, you don't want to do law school or you don't want to do this, do healthcare. That's a safe bet. Like I'm sure her intentions meant well, but I'm like that, that I don't think I should have been like stereotyped into the type of work that Latinas are good at. You know what I'm saying? And I'm pretty sure we're very good at it because we're badass at everything that we do. However, <laughs> you weren't listening to me to what I was saying, right? So again, I, I definitely feel like we definitely have a lot of, you know, shared um, values and experiences there. Now, I definitely want to move on to Anna. If you can tell us, um, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, your family and where you grew up, Anna. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for having us on. Um, I grew up here in the San Fernando Valley, um, you know, outskirts of LA. I'm the eldest of three, uh, born to immigrant parents. My father was from Oaxaca, Mexico, and my mom is from Cordoba, España. And growing up, it was very much of, um, you know, taking responsibility and making sure that I helped in the household. And whether that meant, you know, doing chores or watching my siblings, it was always very much uh, understood that I was the lead. And, you know, growing up, I really didn't know much what that was going to entail further on in my life. But, you know, I grew up, you know, going to private school. Um, we did, you know, and Sandy mentioned about holidays, you know, my dad made it a point that he wanted us to make sure that we were always bilingual. It was a big thing. So at home, we spoke Spanish. Um, in school, we spoke English. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was one of the biggest things that he wanted us to be very proud of, that we could do both languages. But we took on the holidays. We did the Thanksgivings and the Easter's and everything else. So we really didn't always have the traditional cultural experiences. And being that my parents are from two different countries, it made it a little bit confusing because I never even knew what Dia de los Muertos was until I was in college in my 20s. I was just shocked that like this comes from Oaxaca that that was like a big thing and I remember asking my dad he goes well you don't celebrate it here why would I teach you guys that or my mom with the Dia de los Reyes right those were things that it was a little bit confusing it wasn't always a clear picture and the way they explained it to us is that they wanted us to be as comfortable as we were given that we were being raised in you know uh, an area that was there was not predominantly Latino and so we kind of just assimilated. So while Sandy used the word, right, it brings to me my memories of having to assimilate. And that's what the norm was. Um, and as I've gotten older, you know, I've recognized that that's what they were doing just to kind of help us get through. Um, but that's a little bit of my like, you know, my my upbringing. I, I, I take a lot of lessons from that and I move forward with my own kids. Um, you know, I, you know, when I started to um, get older, you know, you talked about a, a moment about how um, people don't, they may mean well, but they don't realize that sometimes when they're speaking, 
they're underestimating you without even realizing it. So like you, I had a counselor in high school who I went to ask about SATs and she told me, don't worry about it. You don't need it. Not wow. once did she say here, this is how you prepare. I had zero knowledge. She's just like, you know what? She goes, you could just go to like a trade college and you'll be fine. And all I heard in my word, in my mind was college. So, okay, I'm going to go to trade college. But never once did she take the time to tell me, these are your options. This is what you can do. Um, so it, it to me, it was, yes, I knew I had to get an education, but I didn't really know how. And so, you know, to me, I was like, I'm going to get married because I was, I was told you don't leave your house until you get married. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a teen mom. We got married and, um, that's really where the love of school started. And so for me, you know, being able to, you know, I mentioned that, you know, my passion is to help the next gen it's really to tell a story. Cause I think that's the biggest gift that we can give others is by telling our story so that the next person out there knows you're not alone. You may be in the situation, but there's someone else that has gone through it or something similar. And that's what we're here to support sharing the story. Um, long story short from that is I've been married for 30 years. Uh, I have three kids. I have two grandchildren. Um, my education took a little bit, you know, of a scenic route. I didn't start school until after I had my first child. And that was really my fuel to be able to um, know that I needed to, to do something better for my child. Um, you know, so my degrees are very uh, separated. They didn't take the traditional route. I got my degree, my first AA in interdisciplinary study, which I had no idea what that meant. Um, then I got my bachelor's in education. And then finally, I got my master's in uh, public administration. Um, you know, for me, it's very important that I share with people that, you know, having a title doesn't make you the person, it's your experience. It's kind of like the traveling, right? It's not the destination, it's the journey. So for me, it's very important to be able to share that throughout the destinations, there's ups and downs and it's never linear, but that you, you do have people along the way that will help you. Wow. I'm just like, I know you guys can't see us, but I'm just like, like I'm in a lecture, like both of you, like, <laughs> like I'm learning so much. And, you know, I, it's, you know, we definitely as well with Sandy, like I, even just you saying a lot of things from, you know, your parents being from Oaxaca and from España. One thing that I learned also is I struggle with tradition and, you know, religion and culture, right? Again, yeah. not until college, not until my doctoral program, you know, like I started questioning like Catholicism, like I knew about Catholicism, like I know this is not like a religion thing. Right. But at the same time, it's like, I was very proud to be Catholic. Right. Like I went to the same church. I, I, I baptized all my kids in the same church and stuff like that. But certain things I, I started questioning, like, am I doing it for tradition? Like to check a box, like to please my mom or am I really doing it? Cause I really believe in this. Like I believe in God 1000%, trust me, but I'm just kind of like, uh, is it the institution part? Institution. You know, I'm the same way. I baptized, I baptized my son in the same church I was baptized, but not because I'm religious. I mean, I was raised Catholic, but I believe in God, but I don't go to church or anything like that. But I did it more for the tradition and the cultural aspect of it and for the genealogy, because, you know, someone's going to research Ryan in the future and I want to make sure it's a record. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing my part. It's in the baptismal book. OK, I was <laughs> documented. I know it's documented. No, I definitely share that. So when you were saying that, I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to. 
I'm, I'm you like years later, I'm going to be talking to like the other kids, like, listen, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So there's that part of it. And, um, the other thing that I want to say too, is, um, the assimilation part. Oh my God. Like I, I totally get it. You know, like our parents, you know, they, they come to this country and they work so hard, you know, just to feel a sense of belonging. Right. Yes. And tell the kids like in la casa habla español, tú hablas inglés en la escuela, right? Like I learned Spanish first when yeah. And I learned English at school. Like they had to write a letter to my dad to say like we don't understand her. She's talking about <laughs> I was putting like ESL classes, but my dad was like she understands English, she speaks English, she just she preferred Spanish, right? And you don't know how many times I get asked when I say like hi, my name is Christina Rodriguez and I say it with an English accent. Because I'm very like insecure of my R's because I roll my R's super deep. But anyways, oh, how long have you been here? And I was oh, like, girl. in the city I live in? And they're like, no, in the country. <laughs> and I'm like, I've lived here my whole life. Oh, I was about to say your English is very good. And I'm like, oh, yeah. wow, it's 2023. Are we still looking at or listening? Oh, Christina, my freshman year in college, they asked me in the, we had a class called Conocimiento, which was like the first class in college to try to get yes. to know each other. They asked me, how old was I when I came from Mexico? I didn't know how to digest that. Like, where do I start? No, I'm just kidding. I was like, what? Like, have you seen this hair? No, no. So yeah, to this day, and you know, I struggle with that part. I struggle with, I don't think I assimilate very well. And that's just something that I deal with. I don't look like a lot of people. So um, like, and it's still to this day, Anna once told me that somebody at work told her that I was too Latina. And to this day, I, you know, I hear those words, but I'm like, well, who the hell am I supposed to be? Like, yeah. what am I, what am I supposed to act like? I am an American, but I'm Latina. So I, I don't know which Latina. one came first, but you know, here I am. <laughs> the chicken or the egg. Okay. Right. <laughs> exactly. Which one comes first? I mean, I think that we all experience it to some extent. I mean, Cristina, you know, when you say, when they ask you your name, you know, you say Cristina Rodriguez instead of Cristina Rodriguez. Yeah. When they ask my name, I'll be honest with you. This is the first time maybe in the past year and Sandy could vouch for this. When she met me, I was Ana Gaona. Ana, Ana Gaona. Never did I say Ana. And I finally started to say, I have to say my full name. It's Ana Maria Gaona. Ooh. But when people say my name, they're like Anna Gaona, Anna Ganoa. I get it. It's not a common name, but it's just the the sounds of the of the vowels, right? Yeah. I've always been Anna, Anna. And so now when people call me, they're like, you know, is it Anna or Anna? I'm like, Anna. That's because I'm finally starting to accept that, you know, your full name, Anna Maria Gaona. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Right. People that they pronounce her name in Spanish. Like one of my good friends, um, she's half Nicaragüense, half Mexican. And when she told me her name was Rosa Maria, right? Rosa Maria, I used to be like, oh, Rosa, right? And she's like, no, it's Rosa Maria. But I, but then she was like, oh, but you can call me Rosa. Like I would allow, I would wait to people to tell me, like, okay, yeah. how do you want me to call you? Right. <clears throat> and there's times where I say both her names or, you know, or just one. I don't know, just how lazy I am, really. But right. I keep saying Rosa Maria, right? But even before that, before I got married, I was Cristina Escobar. And I would say it in Spanish. Oh, Cristina Escobar. I don't know what it is about me now having Rodriguez that when I say Cristina Rodriguez, like I, my R's to me, I feel, I guess the response that I always get is, oh, oh, that's so sexy. Oh, and I'm already like, you can roll your R's. Yeah. Oh my God, 
you roll your R so well. Yeah, yeah it's my name. I've had it all my life. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So that's you. just like my own insecurity. It's not that I don't want to say it in Spanish. It's just me. Like, I just don't want it to be a topic of conversation of how I pronounce my name, you know? And, and, and that, that's just like, again, that's just my own thing. But I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I don't even think I've ever had this conversation with anybody. But girl, about, how about Sandy Correa? Sandra? No, it's not no. Sandra. It really is Sandy. Like, I don't, my name was going to be Ana Concepcion. <laughs> but my grandmother nipped that shit in the bud quickly. And she said no, because she used to take care of a little white girl in Reseda. Her name was Sandy. I guess she liked the name. So that's how I ended up with the name Sandy. Yeah, but I was gonna be Ana Conchita, I guess, at some point. But yeah. my mom and I'm not laughing to make fun of it. I'm 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 laughing in a sense because I know. Listen, my grandma's name is Carlota. Okay, my little cousin, his name is Carlota. My my dad's middle name is Adolfo. Right, we have like a lot of like, um, like traditional family oh, yeah. names, you know, um, del Socorro. Like, listen, That's me. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Carla de Socorro, you know, and, and, and it's like, yeah. So sometimes I'm like, I remember having that conversation with my aunt and my grandma, like, why did you choose that name? And it's always like, este viejo chalo no quiso da, da, da. and it's always like the dad, the dad chose the name. He wasn't even around to raise the damn kid and he chose the name. Like, I'm like, whoa, okay. Trigger word. <laughs> like, You're like, okay, I'm going to close that door now. Yeah. Like so my okay. mom was like, y como le vas a poner al niño? And I was like, Ryan, Ryan, yeah. Ryan. <laughs> Ay, qué nombre más feo. ¿Por qué no le pones Esteban, Jorge, Javier? I was like, none of those appeal to me. But she was like, not a... So my son's name is Ryan Rafael. And guess what they call him? Rafael. Rafael. Yeah. Rafita, Rayita. Like anything that doesn't sound like Ryan. But that's... I'm not going to lie. When you're picking names, you always pronounce it to see how it sounds in Spanish. Yes. So oh, you have to. Yes. Yeah. Like my daughter Giselle. So I'm like, Giselle. Okay. And my daughter doesn't like it when you say Giselle. She doesn't like it when you say it with the Z because you spell it G-I-S. But she's like, mom, I really like it when people say Giselle. I said, okay. So when people ask you your name, you just say, Giselle. Giselle. you know, Giselle. And she was like, okay. You know, but I, I'm like, wow, she's 10. And she's already like noticing how people pronounce her name. You know, um, my little son's name, his name is Saul, you know, and I say Saul, I say in Spanish and then in English is Saul. But his middle name is Antonio. Like I picked Saul Antonio for a reason, right? Because I like the way that it sounds in Spanish. There's there's no R's in it. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. But um, other than the last name. But anyways, we could talk forever about names. But I love how we're starting this conversation because this is conversations that we're having in real life with our kids, with our parents. You know, I'm sure it's a constant, you know, um, conversation at work of like, oh, do you have a short name? And it's just I mean if I can tell you Cynthia Christine Chrissy and I'm just at this point I used to correct people and now I'm just kind of like it's fine and I remember someone said no that's not fine I said your name wrong what's your name I go my name is Christina and they're like okay I'm sorry I thought it was Christine which like I said if it's in the ballpark I'm okay I'm not gonna jump anybody's throat but there's certain people that are just like, that's not my name. And you, rightfully so. That's not your name. I apologize. You know, my mom told me the other day, she was like, yo te hubiera puesto Rihanna. I was like, oh my God, here we go. I'm like, why Rihanna? Porque tu papá se llama Ray y yo me llamo Ana. ¿Ves como la Rihanna? Le hubiera puesto yo Rihanna. I was like, it was hard enough being Sandy. I can't even imagine being Rihanna in freaking 1975. So no, thank you. I will stick with Sandy. Okay, so I seen this meme and I swear I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. I saw this meme that it's and I'm sure it happens with all of our um Latino cultures, but this one specifically, 
was talking about how Salvadorians name, like how they pick names. I don't know if you guys saw that one. After appliances? Yes. Um, no, it was, well, oh. I seen that one. No, this one was like, oh, you pick an American name, but you pronounce, or you spell it how you pronounce it in Spanish, right? Like, oh. Jessica. Stephanie. Stephanie, right? My sister's <laughs> name is Stacy Stephanie, and we say Stacy Stephanie, right? We say it with the E, right? But anyways, then, then so basically it was giving like, step one, you pick an American name. Step two, you don't <laughs> spell it American, you just, you spell it how you pronounce it. Step three. Phonetically. Put like son, like Emerson, Ryan Son, or whatever. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, you know how many people Williamson. <laughs> yeah, Williamson. Oh my God. He had me rolling. And you know, these are the things that like it's fun to embrace. Like that's our culture, you know? And definitely, like my mom, you know, has a um a goddaughter in Nicaragua, and you know, the her comadre love the name Stacy and she spells it how it sounds S Stacy E S T like I don't know like phenomenally and I'm <laughs> so then my mom's like oh you guys have the same name my sister be like uh my name is Stacy yes <laughs> Stacy <laughs> two different names two different names two different names please and even my sister her name is Stacy and people spell it E Y C I S Stacy you know like and it's just the most simplest word her name, Stacy. Oh, Stacy. Oh, stay, stay, say. And she's just like Stacy. <laughs> what is it? Like, Why can we just not start with the with the consonant? A con- yeah. <laughs> is that how you consonant? Is that how you say it? Like, we can't say. No, they vowel. need a vowel. It's a vowel. It's yeah. a vowel. Yeah. They spell it with or they pronounce it with the e. I know. Stephanie. I I don't know if it's just a culture or generation. My my daughter's name is Alexia. I went against all the rules. My daughter's name is Alexia Gabrielle, uh-huh. and my mom calls her Alexi. Alexi, that's and I'm like, okay, and that's how it just everybody. No, like, now it's just Lexi. That they they, they dropped the other freaking. Oh, we name. dropped everything. We're yeah, like it's just like yeah. their own name at this point, you know. I know, right? <laughs> so fun times with the names, you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> that was some real talk right there. So, um, I definitely want to move on. So, I both of you mentioned college you both mentioned you know the importance of an education in your household sandy can you i know you said that your mother expressed education was important no matter what but kind of jumping towards your master's degree like can you tell me after you got your your bachelor's what made you want to get a master's you know like did someone tell you about it or did you did you know somebody that had it that kind of guided you or you're just like you know what, I'm gonna go check this out and see what what this is, you know, and, and how far that can take me. I, I've always felt like my life has been like taken by a herd, like, you know, like I'm just moving with this herd of people. Like I knew I had to go to college in high school and I remember not even knowing like where I was gonna apply. So my, my <clears throat> posse was like, we're gonna apply here, we're gonna apply there. <laughs> Because remember back in the days, you could apply to three UCs for one prize. So we were like filling everything out. Oh, you got a three for one deal? Yeah. Bring that back, UC. Bring that back. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so, you know, I was just like in the herd, just kind of moving. And and the same thing was happening in grad school. So in grad school, before grad school, I was working at UCLA at the Jewel Stein Eye Institute. And I had a really good friend who, um, she's this 
phenomenal. I used to tell her she was my first white friend because really she is my true first white friend. Mm -hmm. And so she was like in the military and she had gotten her degree and then she was going to USC to go get her master's. But in my mind, I was thinking like, okay, like, what does that mean? I really didn't understand. And it wasn't until the doctor that I worked for, he said it, he said, you know, Sandy, you've got some great leadership skills. I really want you to go to the next level. You're not going to find it here, but I can help you and provide you with the guidance and the flexibility to go to school. So I'll give you a computer, you can leave early, but I really want to see you grow. And for that, I always will you know, be indebted to Dr. Goldberg because he saw something in me that I didn't see. And so I applied to Cal State LA. I went to school Monday through Friday from six to 10. I finished a two-year program in one year, two summers and one academic year. Like I was hustling my ass because I'm not a, I'm not a big school person. I love to learn, but I don't know if I have ADD or ADHD, but I just can't sit for a long time because I'm already thinking about, you know, birthday parties and all these other things in my mind. So I was able to finish quickly, but I always, like I was saying, like, I just feel like life has taken me down this path because people have been, been in my life who have provided me guidance or advice and I take it and then it moves me to the next level. So I'm glad because I didn't really learn a lot in, in grad school because I was already working in the field, but I made some wonderful connections with people that I'm still in contact with. So I felt like I did learn some marketing and about labor unions and things like that. But, you know, the whole experience was not so much about the education for me, but it was more about the connections and the relationships I was to build. So that was my whole journey through uh, grad school. I like that because um, I do get that a lot. Like, I didn't learn as much or it's not what I expected, but I had great connections and great relationships. And sometimes that's what it is. It's a pricey way of being connected with someone. Um, however, learn to embrace that too. Like it's okay. You know, especially when you're in, I, I hear that mostly for those that are already in the field and just need the degree to either, you know, like those that are in social work, right. They have to be, you know, certified and licensed and stuff like that. Right. So you're not learning a whole lot, like brand new information, maybe extended information um, or specific towards licensing. Um, but the connections and the relationships, I definitely feel like it goes a long way, you know? It's a catapult to the next level for, for those who are looking to either promote or, you know, move into another higher paying job. I mean, that's what it does for you. Yeah. So Anna, can you share with us... Um, your journey on how you decided to get your master's degree and what that what was that experience for you yeah um my master's degree came later in life i you know like i said when i started college i didn't start until after my kids were were my i had two kids mm -hmm. um the first time you know thinking about college i just thought okay i have to do it when my son is older my firstborn and then i realized there is no right time you just have to just jump in and do it so I started my AA when my second son was born, when he turned two, I got it. And then I took another long break and got my bachelor's when my daughter was born, uh, when she turned four. And then I was going to go into my master's program. But along the way, you know, life happens. Um, I had to postpone. My dad got was ill, you know, got ill and he was diagnosed with cancer. So I had to put kind of that on pause. But I knew that I always wanted the master's that at the time for me, when I got the A and the BA, it was a very different experience than getting my um, my master's for the for the sake of I was doing the first two because I knew I needed to kind of figure out how to promote. But I didn't really know where I was going. I just had to do something, just do something to get you know more money for my master's. It was more of an 
in um what do they call it an intrinsic um uh thing that to me it just it was internal i needed that that it was a satisfaction for me um I went and had my, you know, when I went to go get for master's of public administration, I was already in the public sector field and I already had the experience. I had been able to promote. I had been able to do a lot of things, build the relationships, figure out how to run, you know, how to do different things in, in a different, you know, in different domains. But I was missing the component of the theory part. So when I went to school, I was probably one of the oldest in my master's program. But I had already fulfilled a career. I was already in, in my public sector 22, 22 years. So for me, it wasn't really because I was going to promote. It was more of my own self-satisfaction self um, and to be able to show my kids it's never too late. Mm. So I made it a point to say that I was going to have my master's before my eldest graduated from high school. And I did. Um, even though it was just a month away, I graduated in May of 2019. He graduated uh, in June of 2019, but I did it. I fulfilled that goal. Um, but it was really, it, it just, to me, the college experience overall was different. You know, I think for everybody, it's different. Um, I learned the most important part is that the experiences that I was already having, that there was actually a theory behind it, you know, big picture, small picture, you know, learning about HR methodology, you know, learning about, you know, strategy, there there's the actual titles there's names to these things that I was already doing I just didn't know that there was a title to it so for me that's where I found the value of being able to say okay you know this is why I went to school you need both they go hand in hand um but like Sandy I was fortunate that when I went back to school I had someone that made a, a just an, a general conversation about how important the school was and I remember to him, and I have to say, you know, um, you know, Mr. Reyes, Bill Reyes, may he rest in peace. He's the one that really kind of showed me that light of to go to school. That's where kind of I'm like, okay, I need to just keep going. So for me, along the way, I didn't really have the people that were directing me. I kind of just found my way through the people that I was being surrounded by. Um, and I was mentored by just former bosses. So for me, school was very much of you know, just finding your way and checking to see who you can observe from to learn from, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Can you say that again? Who can you observe from so you can learn from? Observe from to learn from. I'm definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I saw, you know, I'm, I'm very into like hip hop culture. I grew up in hip hop culture a lot and Nipsey Hussle, um, he, he had, there was like a video of him on a podcast and he had said something to that extent. Like, he's like, I am around people who I can ob like observe, who I can look, who I can learn from, you know, to see what they're doing and, and then see how that applies mm -hmm. with what I want to do. Right. It may not be the exact same thing, but yeah, I'm watching the blueprint. I'm noticing you. I'm looking at you. Okay, cool. Like same concept over here. Right. So yep. I definitely, I definitely love that because sometimes a lot of people feel like, oh, I don't want to copy you. I don't want to do the same thing as you. And listen, as a marketing major, everything's recycled. Every idea is recycled. Every like marketing strategy is recycled. It, it could be improved. You know, there may be a better process, but there, like, there is a saying, like there is no like original really idea or anything like that. It's always an, an, an inspiration of something else. You know what I'm saying? Yes. In modern times, right? Yes. Now, 
you mentioned that you, you know, uh, were basically a motherhood in academia. And we have a lot of followers that, yeah, you know, they're mothers and, you know, they have kids. Some of them did take that break or making a transition in their career um, and deciding to go back to school. You know, what advice would you give, you know, to those, you know, parents as well, you know, men also are out there, you know, being parents and, and also getting their degree. What advice would you give to them as they're navigating, navigating graduate school and also have to manage the household, right? The kids, the kids schedule. I mean, I know I'm, I'm still juggling with that. I don't perfect it. I don't choose to perfect it. I definitely, you know, I'm definitely like a wing it person, <laughs> but there's certain times where I'm like, man, I wish I would have planned that a little bit better. Like what advice would um, you and Sandy, you know, give to our audience on that? So for me, I'll tell you right off the bat, you know, you said something about winging it. We are the masters of winging it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can plan and everything's great. It's, it's a beautiful picture when you plan something ahead, but you always have to be willing that it may not go as planned and you have to be okay with it. So one of the biggest things that I remember stressing out about is, you know, every semester or every quarter that you go to school is so stressful. You've got testing, you have group projects, you have presentations. Not only do you have to be in school from a certain hours, but now you need to find additional time to prepare for all this stuff. In the meantime, you have babysitting, you have jobs, you have uh, baseball presentations at school for your kids. You don't wanna miss all that. It's never going to be perfect. So my biggest advice that I wish I would have learned this earlier on was don't look at the big picture all the time. Look at what's in front of you and what you can control. What you can't control, let it go. Mm. You know, your priority are your children. Um, I have to say that I am guilty of always thinking like I have to be that A plus student. I have to be that A plus employee. At sacrifice to what? Putting family time aside. It's not worth it. Your kids are only going to be that age for this long. Everything that we do is in front of you is temporary. It's going to change in two seconds. You're not getting that time back. So while you want to do your best in school, by all means, but always make sure that you know what your priority is and what comes from within. Don't go against your grain. Because I think I used, I did a lot of things that it went against my grain because I thought I had to meet a certain criteria. There's only criteria you have to meet is for your own satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely, I had my daughter, my daughter was three I, years I, old. I, you know, I, oh no, I was just going to say my daughter was three years old and my son, I had a newborn baby and I had prepartum depression and uh, postpartum depression. And I just swept it under the rug. I was just like, oh, I guess this is the motherhood. I guess this is what I have to do. Like, I never really asked for help. I just, you know, my mom didn't talk to me about it. I'm sure she went through postpartum depression as well. And you know, I, I was very lucky to have a very supportive husband and family to help me. But yeah, there were times where I'm like, okay, I really got to write this paper, but like, I really want to be with my newborn baby and my three-year-old daughter. Like I felt so guilty Guilt. and I had nobody to talk to about it. Nobody that went through the same, you know, journey as me. Like I talked to my mom as a mother. I talked to my sister as a sister, but like to talk to a woman that's in a master's program, that is a mother that's going through the exact same thing. It's like, I had zero and I felt so alone and just, I would cry and I would want to drop out. And I was just kind of like, but then going back to what you said is I had to remind myself, like, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for my kids. This is temporary. And I just learned to ask for help and for the accommodations. So I would tell my professor, like, 
I have a newborn baby. I I know the papers due on Friday. I'm just gonna need a couple more days. Like, and I would tell him, I'm fine tuning this idea. What do you think? You know, just kind of have an engagement with the professor to be like, look, I'm I did the work. I just I'm not submitting it on time. <laughs> That's the only thing. You, you know, know, you bring up a really good point because when I was going to school, Sandy, and you can t- I don't know, Sandy, what your experience was, but I don't ever recall being given accommodations for working parents. Besides, I did do what they call the PACE program, which was, I can't remember what the acronym stands for, but basically as if you were working full-time, it was an accelerated way to get your degree. You would go to school at night, go on the weekends, and that was it, right? But they didn't accommodate for childcare, child needs. And the other day, my daughter said something to me that blew me out of the water. She said that some of her, her colleagues in her classroom, that they when they don't have babysitters, they bring their kids and that the professor's okay and that they all take turns playing with the child while the, the mom's doing it. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that is huge. I love that, because yeah. No one, for me, like no one ever said, bring your child. I mean, like, like you, I was very lucky to have, my husband has always been extremely supportive. If I could not have done what I did without his support. Mm-hmm. But to not have someone that's there, you know, I think about my friends that are single parents. You have a child, you know, yeah, you have your moms and grandmas and everybody, but do you always have someone to that can relate that you have a paper to do? You have a child with a fever or you have a a, a, a program that the child's going to sing at and you have all this is like, do they make the accommodations? If they do, I'm so glad to hear that they've come to this point now. But for me, that wasn't even an option. That was just like, you, you got to pick. You either go to the baseball game or you come to class. Which one is it? Mm-hmm. You know, so it didn't always go as planned, but. Listen, I had a. I want to say it was I don't remember if it was a final or midterm. It was a midterm. And I remember being at work in San Francisco and Beyonce was playing down the street at the stadium <laughs> and I could hear the music and I'm like, I have to go to school. I have to go to school. I have to go to school. I, ha- I would like convince me I have to go to school like. The urge of me just wanting to go to the Beyonce concert. Yeah. I'm like, dude, it's right there. I'll like, I'll go and, and get some tickets from somebody outside, you know, and my friends were going and I was just so bummed out that mm-hmm. I had to be in class. And I just thought about all these things that I missed out. Yeah, it sucks, you know, but here I am with a degree, but still, it's like, still, it's like you have but to that's, choose. That's a component is that we choose. Do we, are we a student? Are we a mother? How many times do we choose to be us? And that's a really good example of you just wanted to be you and have fun, but that, that you always has to get sacrificed because you're putting everybody else in the Mm -hmm. forefront. Right. So I didn't have children when I went to school, I was single. I had never got, I, I did the whole, Hey Sandy, I see you. She's like, listen, I live my best life at UC Santa Cruz. And (laughs) I did the check marks. Right. I I went to school. I got married. I had a baby. I got divorced. You know, I did, I'm I'm, I'm going down the list. I got a bucket list somewhere around here, but (laughs) the one thing I want to say about moms who sacrifice their time with their children because they've got to get a paper because they think they need to be a 4.0. I have never hired anybody who's put their freaking GPA on their damn resume. I don't care if you are a 2.0 or you're a 4.0. If you're the right person for the job, I will give you the job, but I don't care about that stuff. I never have. So save yourself some heartache and spend the time with your children. That's it. Cause it's not, you know, it breaks my heart. I've seen a lot of women who sacrifice the time to be with their children. And we all know they're only going to be that age, like Anna says, for a little bit of time. 
because you know they wanted to make sure they had a 4.5 the 4.5 is not going to come see you at the convalescent home i'm telling you right now it's going to be your kids you i've know? never no i've never been asked nor have i ever said anything about being on the dean's list my no! GPA, the fact that i almost got kicked out because i had two c's none of that none of that got <laughs> none of, it none doesn't of matter it doesn't matter yeah. you know yeah. It doesn't matter. And I'll tell you, when I actually, when I went to Santa Cruz, at the time I went to Santa Cruz, you know, we had a pass or no pass grading system with evaluation. So when I applied to grad school, I submitted my evaluations. It was like this. It was a stack of evaluations. And they rejected me. And when I went to the school to go find out why they rejected me, they told me that because they were, they were not going to read my evaluations. Mm -hmm. And I okay. said... So I went to an accredited university with an actual grading system you don't agree with. So you're not going to accept me because you don't want to read my 1000 freaking evaluations. And you know what happened? A week later, I had a freaking acceptance letter. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. all we need to do is get into school, get the paper, get out of school, get that paper, get in, get pursue out, your dreams. pursue your dreams. Do what you got to do to pass the class and move on. Honestly, no, I learned that later in life. And like I say, I say this time and time again, when I had a professor start off, you, can, you guys can hear my little frigolito here. When you hear um, my professor, first thing, I don't give a shit about grades. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, did I just hear her say that? And she was like, I don't give a shit about grades. Everybody gets the same grade. I want to learn about you, the individual, your engagement. What, what a concept. Learn? You know, like, and I'm like, and every time I would, like, she would have a due date, of course, yeah. but every time I used to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I couldn't do this. Oh my God. I couldn't do that. She's like, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. Turn it in when you can do this and do that. But I would, oh, I would literally like scared. I would sweat. I would be scared. Like, oh my God, please. Oh my God. Like all the time. And I now get it. You know, I see my 10 year old daughter having anxiety over turning in yes. grade assignments, you know? And I'm like, Giselle, relax. It's fine. It's okay. Like, Yes, turn it in. Yes, let's have let's communicate with your teacher. You need a little bit more time. It's okay. Like I'm very thankful that her teacher is very supportive and she understands it. But still, like I don't want my kid to have anxiety, especially for academics, you know? And yeah, girl, it's 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 a lot. So I'm glad that you said it. Sandy said what she said. Anna said what she said. I'm saying what I said because this is our truth. This is our experience, you know, and and you know, and you take what resonates with you and see, you know, how that works, you know? So I definitely want to talk about two peacocks travel. I definitely would love to learn more about how uh, both of you started, you know, this um, agency and, um, you know, the impact that, that you're actually having on, you know, students that wouldn't have an opportunity to travel abroad otherwise. Like I remember going to city college and I remember seeing these flyers. And the first thing I would say is I can't afford that. My parents can't pay for that. Like, I'm not going to go to Spain. I would see like all of, and they would be around. Right. But, I, but I also feel like faculty and like the school didn't really do a good job as well of yeah. really saying, yes, you can you know, apply for that scholarship, apply for this or do this. You never know what can, you know, and that's probably one of the biggest regrets that I have. Like, damn, I should have, you know, but again, we're just so used to just being near our parents, being near our family, you know, focusing on working and going to school. And I didn't know that that was a possibility. I thought that that was 
targeted to certain students and not to me. So I didn't feel like that flyer was talking to me. I felt like that flyer was talking to like a privileged student who has money, whose parents can support them. I wasn't that. So I always dismissed it. Oh no, it's okay. It's fine. You know? So please tell us about Two Peacocks Travel and, you know, some of the, the programs that you guys do within the agency. So I am a, a product of those programs. Now, it wasn't, I didn't see a flyer. I was a 10th grader and my French teacher came to me and said, would you, got, would you like to go to France in the summer? And I was like, what? So I took French from the seventh grade all the way through college. Um, but as, as you probably know, in East LA, as, as you get higher in some of those classes, there's less and less students. So like by the time I took AP French senior year, it was only me and Pia Wan, my friend from uh, Thailand. It was just me and her. Wow. We were like the teacher's freaking pets. Like she loved us, you know, she, if she could carry us around like this, she would. Right. But <laughs> so I asked my mom if I could go to France and she was like, no vas a querer quinceañera? And I was like, oh, hell no. Like, I don't even like that stuff. Like, no. She's like, okay. So I remember back then, the only thing I had to pay for was my airfare. And it was like 500 bucks back then. So mm -hmm. my mom made a deal with me. She told me that I needed to get a job. Okay, 15. I needed to get a job to save my money so we can get ready for the trip. So I got a job as a hostess at a, at a restaurant across the street from Hollywood Presbyterian Hospital. I worked there Thursday, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. She would pick me up, drop me off. So that was it. So I was able to go on this program all by myself, no Wi-Fi, no internet, no nada. Um, and I stayed with this family during the summertime, which, you know, to this day, I still have contact with. I mean, that was 1987. I mean, I don't know how many years that 30 plus years, I guess. Excuse me. And um, it changed my life. It changed my life. I met people on the airplane and the program that, uh, you know, one of them, her name is Khadija Bagwell. She is an international attorney in Paris. I met Holly Powell, who is, is a real estate agent who lives in Lake Oswego, Oregon. Like people, I, I, first of all, I never met white people unless they were my teacher or the police or the fireman, right? Like, or the doctor. That, that was the only white people. Now I met people my age and I was like, whoa. And I remember being so introvert like at the I, I remember being on the airplane and this girl that was sitting next to me Holly Powell she said to me girl I just stole a bottle of wine you want to drink it I was like what the hell you stole a bottle of wine on the airplane then they were like whoever stole the bottle of wine please bring it back to the center I was like this is I was being exposed to things that you know, I was exposed to crime and, you know, bodies floating in the, in the, in the, in the local lake, like things that are, you know, conducive to our really, our community, not those yeah. things. Anyways, that just opened my eyes. It, it changed my life. It changed my world. Um, and so, you know, let's, um, forward, you know, 20, 30 something years, my kid did not go on a senior trip because of COVID. And I was really upset because when I called the school, they were like, oh, you know, we already planned it. And I was like, planned it when? So anyways, you know me, I'm like, you know what? I will plan my own program. So I called Anna. I said, Anna, you have family in Spain. You think that one of them would be able to take my kid for the summer or for a couple of weeks? She's like, yeah, I think that would be great. Well, that went from my kid to her kid to our other friend's kid from one week, two weeks, three weeks to five weeks. And it's just kind of... Uh -huh 
it really snowballed quickly mm -hmm. to putting together an educational program, um, a whole travel. I mean, I travel a lot, so I'm used to putting together itineraries and researching and doing this whole thing. And before you know it, vamonos, you know, we had those kids, we, we, we got to Spain, you know, they went to school, we did the whole thing. And it was just such a, it was a concept that was already alive with Anna and I, but we really were just kind of working it through while we were in on route, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Figuring it out, working it out. And, um, but our whole passion has been always to give back to the community. So how can we make these trips possible for young ladies in communities where again, like you, Christina, this is not for me. This is for a privileged, you know, family who can afford a $5,000 trip. Mm -hmm. So because we wanted to make sure that we can afford to send some of these young ladies on these trips, we started the travel agency. So the travel agency, we put together these phenomenal trips to Europe, to Central America, to Cuba, and we take a percentage of each trip and we put it in our nonprofit so we can sponsor students to go on these trips to Spain. Mm. So that's how this whole thing happened and so I will let Anna tell you the story on how we became peacocks so you know um the whole thing is learning if people can learn one thing from our experiences learn to connect your dots you don't always know them so you know Sandy's you know history with being this the child that got you know student that was able to go to France to you know COVID happening you know COVID was horrible for everybody right where, where do we find the silver lining to this? You know, her son, you know, got to do finish high school in, you know, in COVID. My daughter graduated everything in COVID, you know, to us connecting those dots um, and being able to make something happen. It's all by connecting the dots. And sometimes we don't see it as we're moving forward, but that's the beauty of it. Just let it go and, and let, just let it be organic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when Sandy and I met, it was in the healthcare industry and, um, you know, she interviewed me and I always tell the story and she always cringes, but you know, one of the things, and I, I am forever grateful for, for the comments, even though I, I do, I do pick at her for it. She interviewed me to be in a position where I had never been in a hospital setting. So when people ask me, did you always know you wanted to do, you know, what you did? No, I didn't. I kind of just, we had to put food on the table, roof over our head. We just went ahead with it. Right. So when I landed in different roles, it's like I didn't always have all the experience or the or the or the criteria for people to hire me. But this is the important part. Just put yourself in it. You're going to learn anyways, because there isn't anything on this earth that you can't learn. We can learn everything. Mm -hmm. So when Sandy interviewed me, she asked me, do you have any experience in, in hospital administration? I said, no. Did you ever work in a hospital? No. I, I Everything she asked me was a no. And so. She looked at me and she's like, well, you know, if you think you're going to be successful in this job, she's like, you're going to need to go take a terminology class. I was like, wait a minute. I just finished school. I did all this. And you're telling me I have to go back to school to do this. But it put in perspective of you can still learn it. You can figure it out. Mm -hmm. Long story short, she trained me. She was supposed to only train me for a couple of weeks. We spent months together. She let me shadow her. She watched over me, anything we needed, we were there for each other. But we really just, you know, we were, we, it was a very close, you know, relationship of a colleague, you know, someone that helped me, my, I called her my guardian angel. 
One day uh, we noticed on the news, there was an article about a woman who was taking a peacock on an airplane and called it an emotional support animal. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember saying, Sandy, did you see this? And we just laughed and we're like, wow, a peacock as an emotional support animal. And we kind of just looked at each other. We're like, wait a minute, we're each other's emotional support. So we're now peacocks. So for years, we called each other peacocks. Oh. We just kept going with the peacock. Um, you know, careers kept going, life kept going. As things move forward, you know, we had the circumstances with COVID. She wanted her son to travel. It was kind of like very much, we were building the plane as we're flying it. Mm -hmm. Because before you know it, things start to, to develop. You know, we've always, I think one of the things that Sandy and I both have in common, and it's been from the very early on is we've always been wanting to give and to serve others. Mm -hmm. Our idea of being able to give our child, our children, uh, the opportunity to explore and experience a cultural and social immersion program abroad. And the fact that I had my family that can help us connecting those dots made it so much more easier but it it fulfilled our need to be able to continue giving back. And then to have this whole other world open up for us where we realize there's a lot of women out there that don't have this opportunity or haven't even given it a thought because we're so busy in our day in and day out. And so as we started to develop, those dots started connecting. And before you knew it, I mean, we both traveled. Uh, she did a lot more traveling to other places. I was just accustomed to going to Spain because that's where my family was. But when we start to connect with people and you realize together you're stronger and all of a sudden you have two peacocks travel, not only are we providing an opportunity for the next generation to go out there and have something, uh, expose them to something that otherwise they wouldn't be able to do it because they're under-resourced or they just didn't know. But the fact that even in our own, you know, with our own network, with our own friends, that we can say, hey, we come with us. It's much more fun to go in a group of women and explore, you know, that you can do something solo, but, you know, it's still possible. So that's how Two Peacocks Travel came to be. It, you know, it just, it happens. It's just, like I said, going back to connecting the dots. So Two Peacocks Travel exists, but the, the for us, it's really the fulfillment of being able to, to give back in a, in a variety of ways. No, I love that. And I know that when I uh, met Sandy, because I met Sandy first and then I met Anna, you know, I was just like, you know, I have a lot of friends too that do travel and they do things, but I love the education component of it. I love the, hey, the proceeds that we get from our agency, we're going to give back to our community and we're going to allow other individuals to also experience this, right? And so that was what, you know, um, drew me. Like I was already like done, how can I get you on my podcast? Like, what do we need to do to promote this? You know, because I'm all about it. And, you know, similar to what Sandy said, my daughter, you know, she's going to turn 15 in five years. Right. And some people are like, oh, five years is a long time. It's going to go by fast. I think by like 13, you really start planning it. Right. Cause it takes like almost two years. Cause it's like a mini wedding. My daughter right now says she doesn't want to quince. She wants to travel. She wants to go to Paris. She definitely wants to go to a country where she can speak, where they speak Spanish because she speaks Spanish. She definitely wants to learn her culture of Nicaragüense and Mexicana, you know? And so this is, you know, my wildest dreams, you know, like at 10, yeah, I saw it on TV. Yes, I've been to Nicaragua, but then that's it, you know? And, and exactly. you know, in the state, of course, 
Um, but yeah, I, I mean, just to see my daughter to say like, yeah, you know, I would like to, I would like to, you know, go to Paris or, you know, oh, what, what language? Oh, I'm interested in that. Like, let's do it. You know? And, and I love that I have a couple of amigas that have a travel agency that I can literally, like you guys are the experts. I'll literally be like, this is where I want to go. And how much is it? Like, <laughs> yep. I'm the type of person where like, I'm gonna let the experts be the experts. Like, I'm going to tell you what I like to do. And vaya con Dios and just tell me what I need to do, you know? But you know, my son, someone told me when my son was little, don't buy him gifts, buy him memories. So yeah. I, my son has been traveling since he was four years old. I think that guy has more passport stamps on his passport than, you know, both me and Anna together. That kid has been everywhere and he's really good. I mean, he's been trained. Like he gets on an airplane. He knows what to do. He knows where to go. Like, I love it. And, and he told me the other day, he goes, you know, I realize that a lot of people don't travel. Like, yes, Ryan, a lot of people don't travel. Welcome to, you know, our world. Cause you know, it's the unknown, right? People are afraid of the unknown, uh, the language barrier, which at the end, you know, it's no barrier. Everyone speaks English in the, in the big picture, you know, but um, absolutely. And I'm hoping that, you know, your daughter could be one of those um, young ladies that can come to Spain with us, you know, when she's old enough and she can experience the whole program with us. Absolutely. No, definitely. Um, you know, I feel like the, this is the part that I get from my dad, the fear of like, what if I get jacked? What if somebody, what, you know, like I'm like always the worst, right? Like, oh my God, like, you know, and my mom is more like free spirit, like, Está bien, no importa, da, 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 da. like, you know, it's so I'm always like, I'm confused. Like who, someone's going to be right in this scenario. So it's like, which one? Well, right? Anna's like, what happens? It's dangerous. And then I'm like, dude, seriously, come on, let's go. Like, it's yeah. going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Like, yeah. you know, but that's how we do it. Right. Like Anna never says no. Like I could be like, dude, let's jump out this airplane right now. And she'd be like, okay, but can we think about this first, <laughs> you know, and vice versa. But the thing is that, you know, you need someone to encourage you and you need someone yeah. to be like, yo, no, now you're crazy. No, yeah. no, we're not going to go to Syria right now. Like that's <laughs> crazy, you know, yeah, exactly. but that's what you need, right? You need the both components to kind of balance out. By the way, Sandy has a, a decor on her bookshelf and it says fearless in the background. I know you guys can't see that, but I'm looking at her and I'm looking at that. I'm like, yeah, that's Sandy. All right. There goes fearless. And then Anna probably have like calculated, big, small picture itinerary. <laughs> yes. You know, um, before we end the episode, I, I do want to just briefly, um, I know you guys recently went to Cuba and uh, you tagged me on a post because you guys were wearing the Latina with Masters, a first generation Latina with Masters t-shirt um, that I sent to you guys. And I was just so, I was juiced. I was super excited when you guys tagged me. And I, I remember just showing my husband like, babe, my shirt and the brand Latinas with Masters is walking the streets of Havana like what the fuck? Like, oh my God. Like I used to be like, Jesus, what's happening here? Right. Um, so please tell us about the trip to Cuba and where people can follow you. Like what's next, what's the next upcoming trip that people can, you know, uh, visit your website on or reach out to you about to learn more information, you know, even if it's something in the future too, that they want to kind of start having the conversation with. Right. Cause some people are like Sandy and they're like, I can go tomorrow. And some people more like Anna that are like, well, I'm going to need like a year or so to like really decide if I can go or not. Like, <laughs> and I feel like I'm both sometimes in certain scenarios. I think Anna should give her perspective on what Cuba was about. I've been there before, but this was Anna's first time. So I let Anna give you her perspective of what she thought about Cuba. Nice. 
It was very much the beginning at when we said we're going to Cuba. I was the one like, okay, Sandy, let's think about this. You know, what do we need to do? I'm like strategically. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, once you get there, it is a world that just, it just opens up your eyes to a whole other way of looking at the world. Oh yeah. Beautiful people, conversations that were just so meaningful. Um, just being in, in the life of it, that just changes every, the whole perspective. Um, you know, we, I, I made it, it in such a short time of, of a period that we were there. Um, we made a lot of great connections, talking to people, just learning how they live, you know, what their perspectives are. And it just puts you kind of like, makes you realize like, wow, you know, what we have, um, but just enjoying the culture overall, you know, the, 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 the tours that we got to do, but the most, the most beautiful part was giving back and supporting the Cuban people. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to see those children, we were walking the streets, handing out coloring books, um, crayons, um, you know, to see that we were able to fulfill, of course, not everything, but help people that were in need, you know, people, we, we handed out first aid kits, we handed out clothes, shoes, you know, it is a, in the big picture, it's a small, um, effort, but I think it made a big impact. And so for me, I, I loved Cuba, um, but definitely it's a place where you need to go with zero expectations. Like you have to just be willing to be flexible, um, open-minded, open -minded, big time open mind. Cause conversations, you know, but just overall to me, it was such a beautiful experience. I could under, I can see now, you know, you know, Sandy had been there previously, but I, I, I was the first one to tell her, well, hold on, let's pump the brakes. And, you know, I think the the beauty the the beauty between her and I is that we can bounce these these ideas off of each other. Um, and you're right, Christina. I probably would have said Cuba. Okay, let's talk about this. This is about an eight month planning session. You know, to be honest with you, I think it was four weeks. Yeah, and really driven by our clientele because when we said okay, we're going to do something for two weeks, what we noticed is people. I think, and it may be a fear factor of two weeks in Cuba. How? But it's very easy to do that, right? We did a five day. And now that I, I know exactly what to expect, I could easily do 14 days, 20 days, because there's so much to see. You can't cram everything at once in a five day period, but you definitely take a beautiful takeaway with you. I went to Nicaragua for three weeks and I felt like it was forever. I wish it was five days in a way because you're 15, right? Oh, you're 15. 15. Yeah, it depends on the age. Yeah, I'm in my parents' itinerary. Like, I don't want to do this. I want to go to the club. Like, <laughs> you know, things like that. But I could definitely see, you know, a three-week Cuba experience, like you said, a 20-day and it, you know, and it being meaningful, impactful, right? Like, I think when I came back, I was like reading in Spanish so much better exactly. and just talking because I was constantly just talking in Spanish. So I feel like my Spanish got better. You know, there's definitely benefits, you know, when you go to a country, you know, and um and you're learning their culture, their heritage, everything. One of the things that really surprised us is how little people really know about the situation in Cuba. Mm -hmm. And it's a country that has stopped in time. You know, Wi-Fi, and we cannot repeat this, Wi-Fi is like a, a, a privilege, mm -hmm. you know? So when people were like, what do you mean there's no Wi-Fi? I can't call, I can't surf the internet. You're like, dude, what part of there's no Wi-Fi did you not understand? Like. You know, it's not, and hot water, you know, and, you know, we were happy that we didn't have any fogon, uh, any apagones, you know what I mean? That we still had electricity. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, Like all these things is like, 
some people don't realize that parts of the world are still living in this situation. Like this is a third world country. Like this is true third world country, you know? And um, it opened up the eyes for a lot of our, 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 our travelers that came with us that, wow, this is like a reality. And some of them were saying, I wish we were staying a little bit more because there was more parts of Cuba to see, of course. But again, that's what I was telling Anna. We might have to do a part two Cuba trip just so we can explore outside of Havana and go to some other places so they can kind of see how other people live. But it was definitely a great experience. I really encourage people to step out of the political noise that they hear in the background that, you know, we can't support, you know, Cuba and their, in, in their politics. There's politics and then there's the people who suffer under the politics. And our whole agenda is to go help the people, to right. help those people. They make $30 a month in mm -hmm. salary, okay? You, we spend $30 in una sentada at McDonald's, whatever, you know? So Easily. it really is step out of that noise and just really look at it as a humanitarian effort to help humans. Humans, yeah, not the government, sense. not anybody else, yeah. humans, children, you know, people who are struggling. And so that's what we're trying to do with this trip. So thank you so much for providing us with, you know, the shirts and the, and the, and the, yes. and the, and the bags, you know, we loved it. We have more pictures we're going to be posting and we really want everyone to follow us on two peacocks travel on Instagram. Uh, also, we have a webpage, which is two peacocks travel.com and we post upcoming trips if you have a group of friends that want to travel somewhere, you know, you can reach out to us also. We can put together a package for you with tours and airfare. Uh, we're here to help you out. I know some people have a misconception of what travel agents do or travel agencies, but really we're here to help you and educate anybody who wants to learn about different countries and what the process is and not to be afraid. Travel really opens your mind and it really is knowledge that you know turns into power that no one can take away from you so we definitely there's education and then there's travel that go hand in hand exactly i was just going to say travel is education you experience it so this is what we say experience and a degree go hand in hand travel is just another form of it and we we encourage it so for us you know you know sandy made a good point you know i don't know what how i always thought travel agency was uh someone that, you know, you paid only if you had money. That's not the case. It's for us to be here to educate and to provide you an opportunity. You have options. We all have options. So we're here to provide options at no, there's no obligation. It's just options to be able to see how else can we do things a little different. So our next trip, Christina, is to Cordoba, Spain, and that's going to be May 22nd through the 30th. And that's a celebration of the Feria de Cordoba. So it's sort of like a fiesta patronal that they have in a lot of places in Latin America. Mm -hmm. So we are actually planning this trip uh, in May and we are actually going to get the women who go on this trip flamenco dresses because they have like a whole parade that goes on. So the two peacocks travel people are going to be wearing their flamenco dresses so we can go down to the to the square and show off and everything. And then our summer program for our students. It's going to be July 4th through the 25th. And we have a Q&A that's going to be a, a video um, uh, a video call. So anyone who's interested in hearing about the program and you know how to sign up, how to make payments, it's going to be March 1st at 7 p.m. And I we've posted a couple of flyers on our Instagram page so they can go and see what the link is. But those are the major two programs um, that are coming up. 
Anna and I are also exploring some long weekend trips to Oaxaca and to Guatemala mm -hmm. uh, before May. Um, so we'll be, you know, putting up those as well. Um, but we're very, very excited for anyone that wants to, you know, come with us on these trips because, you know, Anna and I travel with the groups um, to these places. So hello, we're a lot of fun. Like, would you guys come <laughs> with us, Christina? Oh, yeah. I'm already thinking like, damn, I hella want to go. Like, I'm just... <laughs> I really want to go like I definitely see a future Latinas with Masters collaboration on my bucket list is definitely to visit the university and, and meet students and meet you know the community out there like I learned a lot about Cuba in my um, undergrad program at SF State and we were supposed to go to Cuba but back then it was you can only go if it was part of an education plan um and it was of course the semester that I attend right it's the month we don't go to Cuba everybody else went to go got to go um but I learned a lot healthcare you know universal healthcare yeah. education and yeah it is a period in time you know where it's like that time forgot literally but you know it's, it's beautiful and it's authentic and you know the the people that live in Cuba embrace it right and then you can definitely see it that they're just there's certain things they can't control so why you know beat yourself up absolutely for live, i can totally see uh, latinas with masters collaboration going to cuba i think that would be awesome yeah i would definitely love that definitely taking my daughter right because already she wants to go it's a spanish-speaking country so check she knows that <laughs> you know but thank you so much both sandy and anna i hope that everybody enjoyed this episode i will definitely share her their ig handles and the website uh, where you can reach out to them they have a march 1st um call on upcoming programs um that they have coming up but you know these are definitely cool ass people you can definitely dm them you can send them an email they don't buy you know like literally they're just two hermanas out here just traveling and you know out just to build community so thank you both for being part of the latinas with masters podcast and i look forward uh to further connecting and and seeing definitely all the pictures of of the of the countries that you guys visit for sure Thank, Thank you, you Christina, so much, Christina, for sharing for having your space. Us. Yes. Welcome. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Latinas with Masters podcast is a culturally minded podcast created to inspire, empower, and educate nuestra comunidad and future generation leaders navigate the hard knocks of higher education. Hosted by me, Christina Rodriguez, founder and creator of Latinas with Masters. MBA graduate and future doctora pursuing my doctorate degree in educational leadership and on a mission to master diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging in the spaces we all live, work, and learn, all while embracing and preserving nuestra cultura. Like and subscribe and follow Latinas with Masters on all social platforms. Thank you for listening to Latinas with Masters podcast, and I hope you enjoy the show.